Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night with the Living Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness and the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, what's happening? Well, I'll tell you, I'm just trying to keep cool and stop from melting and, uh, you know, just Ain't that the truth. surviving this heat that I guess the rest of the country is kind of uh, suffering through at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it has been toasty lately. I think last weekend, God, I think Saturday we were 105, 106 here, something like that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it, it was definitely roasty. And I mean, it's not like we're El Paso, Texas, where they've had like over like 30 or 40 days of 100 degree weather. Yeah, it could be worse, but... Um... Um, but I'm ready but for a change. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's, you know, let's go to the beach. Amen. Let's go. give me some of that summer gloom at the ocean. We could go see that famous sea otter that steals all the surfboards. Oh my gosh. Okay. So two weekends ago, let's talk about 841 here for a second. Mm. Um, a couple weeks ago, we did do a coast trip. And of course, it was another really hot weekend. So we took off really early, wanted to beat the traffic out to Half Moon Bay, drive down the coast. By the time we got to Santa Cruz, it was it was basically lunchtime. Okay. So we grabbed lunch, got some cookies down at Pacific Cookie Company. Mm. Company, I'll always recommend them. I know, pleasure pizza for lunch. Mm. Um, and at that point, it was like, it feels like it's starting to get a little busy. Like more people are kind of coming into town here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but let's see if we can get down <clears throat> to the lighthouse area and see if we can see the audience. Yeah. Um, and yeah, boy, as soon as we started driving off Pacific Avenue, it was just backed up. And so we, we bailed on that, turned around. I said, okay, I think I know another way. I think if we go up the street and I look up that street, cause I'm sitting at a red light and I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) no, everybody is literally streaming toward West Cliff Drive right now. And I'm like, no. All the paparazzi. No. <laughs> it's stuff like that. And sure enough, yeah, you know, we, we got back home and um, there is uh, there's a guy who runs an account called Native Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And he's actually done a lot of the photography and video uh, that you see out there in news articles about this otter. And sure enough, he was like, yep, just an hour ago, you know, here's fish and wildlife trying to mm-hmm. trying to capture the otter mm-hmm. kind of. Thing. I was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. we totally would have seen this otter. Aww. Um, but I, you know, it is kind of funny since, uh, I'm going to go ahead and relate this to the weird, Mm. but I came across a new, um, relatively new podcast about, um, like Santa Cruz and, and people from that area. Um, it's actually called area 831. Oh, I love it for the area code. And, and I was like, okay, that's a really witty title, but their (laughs) artwork, they actually, they actually turned the famous lighthouse uh-huh. right over there at Steamer Lane. Um, it basically kind of looks like a UFO. What? 
I love it. Like the top of it looks like a UFO, and then the shape of the lighthouse is kind of like the beam coming down from the UFO. And I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! This is great. I love it so much. It's so cool. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, things are going well here, cool, cool. and yeah, hopefully everyone is staying cool. Amen. Um, what's new in your weird sub? Well, let's see. Since we last recorded, there's been a couple interesting developments. Um, I think it's fair to say that when I was a kid and I wanted to flip on the old television set and watch some of the ridiculous nonsense that we both love relating to flying saucers and whatnot, usually my go-to might have been like the Fox Network, maybe the Sci-Fi Channel, Mm -hmm. maybe in the early 90s, something like that. Well, the weird thing that I find myself uh, uh, confronting is the fact that these days it seems like I'm more likely to find that kind of content on another channel, C-SPAN. in, mm-hmm. in, in the in the months since we last recorded, there's been a number of bills and amendments introduced in Congress by various people, which uh, if they um, be, if they do become law, would do a number of different things. And I'll just mention a brief number of them. And immediately halt funding for any surreptitious UFO retrieval and reverse engineering government programs. Um, instruct individuals with knowledge of such activities to disclose all relevant information to Congress while granting legal immunity if it is reported appropriately and within a defined time frame. Establish Hmm. a nine-person presidential UFO declassification review board complete with an uh, economist and a sociologist to to, uh, investigate the sociological and uh, economic impact of releasing such information. And here's the kicker. Uh, This one was introduced by Senate Majority Leader Democrat Chuck Schumer. It would give okay, yeah, yeah. It would give the United States government quote eminent domain over any and all recovered technologies of unknown origin and biological evidence of non-human intelligence that may be controlled by private persons or entities in the interest of the public good. So, hmm. wow, there's some interesting things floating around Congress, and um, I got to tell you, you know, I have honestly deep down in my heart, I do not know if UFOs are real. If they are real, I do not know if the government knows about it or has secret information about it. But I got to tell you, deep down in my heart, I really hope that there isn't any sort of revealing of any sort of data. And let me tell you why. Um, I fear that it would be the end of goofy TV shows about UFOs, where they always have like, you know, they always start with one of those disclaimers like, this show presents, you know, theories and opinions. We invite the viewer to make their own choice. It's like for me, that's right, that's right. that's like like the thing I love to see at the beginning of a TV show. And like, what you're saying is Jonathan Frakes would be out of a job hosting exactly shows like that. exactly. It's like <laughs> let's preserve the mystery, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not pull the curtain back too far. So that's that's sort of where I am right now in my month of weird. Okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's that? What's new in your weird? I, I tell you, I tell you, July has really kind of been a weird month. Really? For me. Yeah. Okay. I, um, so, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the Newkirks mm-hmm. and, and their museum and what they do. Um, uh, uh, the Unbinding is finally getting Ooh. a release. Okay. Um, it's actually going to premiere in Anaheim, uh, August 12th. Um, there will not too long after that i think there were there will be a a stream it option but mm. they are doing some um actual like live showings of it wow yeah sadly can't make it down to santa Ana, but that's okay mm. um but they in order to do this kind of like speaking tour and stuff that they're going on they had to like call the season finale 
not the series finale, but the season finale of their Haunted Objects podcast. Mm. But um, they ended on a doozy. Um, they acquired uh, Glenn Campbell's old uh, storage unit. Wow. And so everything, boxes, I mean, literally a van full of stuff mm-hmm. um, from, you know, his his time basically is like, you know, the, the Area 51 guide, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they talked a lot about that. Um, they talked a lot about Area 51. Um, they have some alleged uh, 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 UFO parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of ties in with with what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it really was kind of fascinating. And, and they were talking about stuff and they were talking about people mm. that I remember coming up in the alien highway documentary that we did on our second episode. Right. Um, and so I messaged them. I'm like, you guys are talking about mm. stuff like that. I totally remember seeing like, you know, if you want to see actual footage mm-hmm. from like, these guys protesting mm-hmm. uh, at at the uh, the alien highway, you know, uh, um, like sign reveal, like the dedication ceremony, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, the dedication ceremony. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, I'm like, you guys have to check out this alien highway DVD. It's like it's only twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and it is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute snapshot mm-hmm. of of what things were like then. <clears throat> And they actually hadn't heard about it before. Oh wow! Okay. So I'm I'm really really hoping that they've bought themselves a copy. I, I checked and out, are checking it out. Oh, that's so good! I checked out that episode about a week ago, and it was so entertaining. And the, it really, yeah. The the thing that stuck with me was there was one part, and I almost missed it. But they were talking about how, if I understood correctly, like Glenn Campbell when he ran his little area 51 research center in rachel nevada mm-hmm. out of a little like mobile home trailer like back in the 90s like it if yeah I, it sounds like if somebody out there in the world wrote a letter and addressed it simply to area 51 and put it in the mailbox like the post office would just give it to glenn campbell like that was like basically I, their mo yes and yes and, and in fact they've got the new kirks now have a lot of those letters yeah that's the thing where i'm like man i'd love to like learn more about what what wacky people out there are just right it's almost like when you're a kid and you write a letter to santa claus and you just put it in the mailbox and you say like north pole exactly. or whatever you know yeah yeah it's just like that just caught my imagination for some reason but no you are you are spot on with that yeah it's it's pretty impressive yeah um and they've got a bunch of stuff uh videotapes and audio tapes that they're in the process of digitizing that's so cool uh and archiving mm-hmm. um the other weird thing like i said we've got a lot of like, front matter <laughs> of on this episode folks bear with <laughs> us um yesterday um you know there wasn't much going on so we decided we'd take a drive and um we weren't sure how far we were gonna go mm. we were just like let's just get out for a while mm. you know um especially when we're trying to keep the house cool and we felt like the front curtains closed it's really easy to um just kind of feel like you're trapped inside all the time so we got out for a little drive um and we started taking um, uh, a road out of town that ultimately, if you stay on it long enough, goes up the back end of Mount Hamilton oh, wow. and gets you to the Lick Observatory. Oh. Um, now, 20, oh, I don't know, five-ish miles up that road, there is a junction. And the road that shoots off to that shoots off to the east. It's called del puerto canyon road okay okay del puerto canyon road runs east all the way out to interstate five for about 22 ish miles okay 
Now, that only is interesting because way back in 2009, um, somebody started a site called thebeatlesneverbrokeup.com. Like the band The Beatles? Yes. Okay. Yes. And this website tells the tale of a man who claims to live in the same town that I live in mm. and was coming home from Turlock and decided to go up Del Puerto Canyon Road. Okay. Um, and in the process, stopped to let his dog out uh, to use the bathroom, mm. basically. Um, ends up chasing a bunny. Um, and as he's going to retrieve his dog, he I think he basically kind of like trips and falls oh. kind of thing. Okay. And ends up in an alternate universe what? where the Beatles never broke up. And so he allegedly brings back this cassette <gasps> that he then digitized and so you could listen to this album called everyday chemistry what uh, yeah so i i remember just the basics of the story and so as we're driving out there i mention it okay okay and so we're driving down del puerto canyon road and there's no indication from the website where exactly along that stretch of road mm. this allegedly takes place okay um but there was one stretch as we are descending down this road where I'm like looking around and I'm like, man, I have in, in my head, I'm saying, man, I've got a really weird vibe. Really? Right here. And with no prompting whatsoever, my wife out loud goes, man, if a portal's going to be anywhere on this road, mm. it's going to be here. This oh, is, wow. this feels weird. Okay. And I'm like, shut up. I'm like, I was just thinking the exact same thing. Oh. And no joke, a few more miles down the road, uh -huh. we did, it didn't feel weird. Okay. So it was just that one spot. Anymore. It's, it was just this one stretch of road, huh. uh, and the landscape is beautiful and fascinating and harsh in places. And so, yeah, it, it there was this point where we all kind of went, it's really kind of weird through here. Gee whiz. I wonder if you could go through a portal and go into other universes where, like, other bands never broke up, like Millie Vanilli or, like... I mean, look, if you believe in the multiverse, anything is possible. That's amazing. Um, I, I, I will say this. If you... The webpage still exists, but if you go to the Wikipedia page, it does kind of break down um, how the entire thing was crafted and hoaxed. Oh, it's not real? It's... As, as far as Wikipedia con is concerned, it's basically like... This is a mashup album from a lot of solo <laughs> projects and like demos and stuff oh. like that. And I was like, I don't know. Part of that road felt really weird. I'm I'm going to choose to believe. Well, man, you sold me. I was ready to go on a magical mystery tour. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. That would have been perfect. Oh, man. Um, all right. So anyway, we want to make an announcement mm. and we're going to keep kind of announcing this as uh, we get through every month between now and basically January. Um, at the end of January, at the end of basically our third year doing this show, we're going to go through a bit of a rebranding. Um, we're going to change up the name. The feed is probably going to change. So hope, and we'll make lots of announcements. We'll make sure the link is really easily available for everyone. So hopefully you will all, if you're listening now, follow us over to our new feed. It's going to be new artwork, um, new theme music, everything. Mm. Uh, we've been working behind the scenes to kind of like pull this together. It just, I don't know. It felt like it was time for a change, um, and an update, and uh, we're excited about it. Heck yeah. Um, and so hopefully, you know, for 
and honestly i'll probably start over with like you know like year one mm-hmm. rather than saying year four because mm-hmm. um, otherwise new people will be like where's your first three years be like oh, it's this other podcast <laughs> um so yeah um so that's coming and and like i said we'll keep announcing that and we will make sure that uh it is easy for everyone to find it uh when the time comes in february of 2024 very cool all right that said we have a little bit of unfinished business from last month oh boy do we ever sebastian (laughs) um so one of the things you pointed out was that your source uh for the psychic death train article yes um the the what newsletter Mm -hmm. it comes from had a naked lady on the cover (laughs) it did uh it did and i was just like okay i i'm curious why does it i was also looking for a story for this month so i'm like oh let's look at this you know let's look at your source from last month (laughs) let's do research by looking at the naked lady (laughs) quote unquote research um because i'm really good at quote unquote research um anyway um but you you were confused you were like i don't understand why this gal's on here and so i started reading through this newsletter legitimately reading it um and so there is a naked lady on the cover of this newsletter specifically because of the psychic death train article She's That's somehow right. tied the into author, the psychic death train? Yes, Whoa. and it's a very tenuous connection at best. Okay. At best. But the author of that article continued past the heart of the matter uh, to suggest that a whole new naming slash numbering convention for Series 50 trains. And the idea is to name them after Page 3 models from the sun. <laughs> Now, the sun is a newspaper in England. I'm not talking about that giant burning ball of gas uh, out in space. So thus, in his, mm. albeit tenuous logic, mm. going from George Stevenson, who is the inventor of the steam locomotive, <laughs> to Carol Ann Stevenson, <laughs> one of the many page three models, and the one who is featured on the cover. <clears throat> oh, you pervy, pervy Brits. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I say to that? Woo woo! <laughs> that's amazing. Come on, ride the train. <coughs> this is great. and ride it. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so funny. I love it. Yeah, well, you solved so, the mystery so here, go. live on the show tonight. <laughs> it, exactly. Yes, it was. It was uh, old man Wilkins. Yeah. I'm. I don't know. I'm going for a Scooby Doo joke, and it's just falling apart now. <laughs> Anywho, well, I think we did. Some, we've done some good work here tonight, Taylor. Uh, we have. Yes. I mean, look, you've already nailed it with a magical mystery tour and uh, uh, and, a, and a and a train whistle. <laughs> now, yeah. yes. you get to you get to entertain us with the story of Custer's last wormhole. Custer's last wormhole. My story for tonight. Well, as we have Tell alluded me. to already, last month's episode, I talked a little bit about the process of mystically in looking into the future, traveling into the future. So this month we're going to turn the car into reverse and go backwards and explore an interesting story that has to do with going back in time. Hmm. So my story is excerpted from an article titled Portholes Through Time and Space 
written by a fellow named Richard Schwarzberg, which appeared in the August 1979 issue of Beyond Reality Magazine. That's number 38. Okay. Uh, there'll be a okay. link in the show notes. Um, uh, and unlike most of my stories this season, this magazine wasn't some homegrown paranormal newsletter, but instead was a slick bi-monthly newsstand publication complete with a production team, art design, art direction, graphic design, that kind of stuff. So it was a more of a substantial magazine you find, might find it like a, a news agent or that. <clears throat> so here we go. While many men of science are now scanning the galaxies for new worlds, explore, many more are looking to our own planet in an attempt to probe its age-old mysteries. One of the enigmas constantly challenging scientific scrutiny is time portals, invisible windows through which a handful of human beings are said to have ventured, emerging at different periods in our Earth's history, staying for a brief span, observing and returning through the same window to their own time and place. Mention okay. of these entrances and exits which lead to and from the past have been written up in many scientific journals throughout the years, calling attention to the fact that such doorways do exist, and from time to time, have been penetrated. A weird happening of the same nature was about to take place in southern Montana at the site of the General George Armstrong Custer Monument. The area marks the historically famous Battle of the Little Bighorn, which was fought on June 25, 1876. Perhaps no single battle in U.S. combat history had given rise to more commentary or controversy than that which has become known as Custer's Last Stand. Which sadly did not involve Custer. <laughs> this is true. Or frozen custard, <laughs> man, because that, that stuff's tasty. Uh, it's hot. Ooh. I don't know what to tell you. I want, I want cold things. <laughs> Indeed. Um, it was fought between 700 troops of the U.S. 7th Cavalry and some 3,000 warriors of the Great Sioux Nation residing in the camp of the Hunk Papa Medicine Man, Chief Sitting Bull. On the afternoon of October 14th, 1964, Stephen R. Miller, a biologist of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, his wife, Della, and their three children, aged 14, 16, and 18, had been visiting the 765-acre monument which rises in northern Wyoming in the Bighorn Mountains and flows northward to enter into southern Montana, joining the Big River at Har the Bighorn River at Hardin. It was approximately three minutes before noon when the family decided to explore the vast Bighorn Mountain, breathing the clean and fresh mountain air the elder Miller and his youngest son, Steve Jr., climbed a small hill to explore even further the vast horizon which had been before a bloody battlefield. Mrs. Miller and their two children tagged along not far behind, leisurely enjoying the warm afternoon sun and the splendid mountainous view. Signposts were everywhere, calling attention to road directions, paths, restroom, and restaurants spotted through the area. Suddenly, Stephen Jr. found bounded playfully from his father's side and ran ahead, shouting that the ground was moving. Miller noticed it too, and before he was able to stop his son, the boy ran into the center of two sun-traced pillars on the flat, grassy ground. In less than five seconds, right before the horrified eyes of Miller, his wife, and their two sons, the boy vanished, as though physically disintegrating into the environment, within the strange tracing of sunlight on the ground. Mrs. Miller's whoops. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Mrs. Miller's frantic screams brought other tourists running to the spot, as well as uniformed mounted National Park Police. But they arrived only moments after Miller himself, the father, bounded after his son within the triangular-shaped pyramid emitting, emitted by the sun's rays. Okay, I, I, I have a question. Yes. I, I have a question. Sorry. Um, I, I find it really interesting mm. 
that both both of the the Miller men here are are bounding. Are they part kangaroo? There's a lot of bounding going on in the '60s. Apparently, is is <laughs> yeah is is there something strange with the gravity in 1964? <laughs> and are they able to like leap higher in the air than we can now? That's really heavy. Yeah, that's man. <laughs> oh man, we are making all oh, the references tonight. Oh, all right. Um, okay. Uh, in exactly 16 minutes, Miller and his son reemerged. Expressions of terror and shock evident on both their faces. They were shaking. The story Miller told defies the imagination and staggers the sense that both of Miller's hands, as well as his clothing, had been covered with blood. The air Dang. was a dull gray and smoke-colored, a frightened Miller told authorities later, probably due to the thousands of shots that must have been fired. At first, I thought the whole thing was very funny, feeling my son and myself were seeing something on a giant movie screen, coupled with a bit of trick photography. We even started to laugh. Then I looked behind me, expecting to see my wife and the rest of our family huddled together take the same spectacle. That's when I suddenly became frightened. Behind me was nothing but wide open plain and clear sky as far as the eye could see. The area my son and I found ourselves in was nothing like the park we had just been in moments before. I called my wife by name and our children. We both did, but there was no answer. No sound at all, in fact. Only our echoes piercing the mountain. The stench of death and decay was everywhere. It was real. Believe me, it was so bad that my son vomited on the ground. Those dead bodies, all young men, on the ground all around us were no props. They were very real. Miller told officials how he and his son had fallen over the bodies trying to get out of the area, and how after taking a few steps backward, they had been caught in a whirlwind and propelled back to the park. Their clothes Yikes. and the blood stains on their hands were sent to the Blood Analysis Division of the FBI in Helena, Montana. The verdict? The blood had been real human blood, but not their own. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I got to tell you, when I stumbled upon this story, I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely bizarre. Um, I had never heard it before. This isn't the kind of story that has dozens of clickbaity YouTube videos about it, you know? Oh, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> and the alleged involvement of the FBI suggested that maybe there might be documentation somewhere. Maybe mm-hmm. it wouldn't be possible to prove necessarily the paranormal event, but maybe you could prove that there was some sort of investigation. Right. Um, so Schwarzberg meant the author mentioned quote, two sun traced pillars. And I thought that was especially interesting. Um, at another point in the article, he describes this phenomenon in greater detail. He writes, On the ground, the sun's rays traced two faint vertical lines, as though side by side, running parallel and approximately 12 feet apart at its base. The tops joined together much like the top of a triangle. The space between the lines or pillars at its farthest spaced base point reflected a weird, almost double image as though the ground, grass, and shrubbery beneath it blended together. But the ground surrounding the reflection had been quite normal. It seemed as though the pillars being traced on the ground resembled a doorway of sorts, unquote. Ooh. Hmm. However, try as hard as I might, I wasn't able to find a single shred of evidence on this case. Um, As far as I can tell, this tale was never mentioned in any news coverage. I can't find it reprinted in any other paranormal literature. Um, I wasn't even able to find any evidence on this family on ancestry.com or other genealogy websites. Interesting. The closest I could find, um, so if we recall, the youngest son, Steve Miller Jr., was mm-hmm. one of the two that went through this wormhole. Um, I love the band here, but it would eventually start. <laughs> right, yes. Um, so apparently, you know, supposedly he's from Baton Rouge, right? Um, I did find one uh, yearbook on ancestry.com that had a mm-hmm. Stephen Miller 
who was in Baton Rouge and was would have been the right age for this kid. You know what I mean? Hmm. And the picture of him okay. looks he looks terrified. He looks like this most scared person I've ever seen. So I don't know if like if that's really the kid and he's just all messed up because he went through a portal or something. I don't know. But um, or, or or maybe it was just a really <laughs> bad picture day. Right. Um, and then also another big problem that I found in researching my story for tonight's episode in 1964. The FBI's Montana field office was in the city of Butte, not Helena. So I thought that that was interesting, hmm. too. Okay. Um, so, okay, at this point, I'm thinking in my research, well, you know, did Schwartzberg simply invent this story? Is there is there anything that would suggest that? And, and I did find one piece of evidence that strongly suggests he might have done that. And uh, it involves a little place that I like to call the Twilight Zone. In fact... Oh, yeah. Yes, an episode from the fifth season of this famed television show titled... Quote, the seventh is made up of phantoms, unquote. And uh, through the magic of uh, computers and technology, I have a little audio clip that we can play for our viewers at this point so they can uh, hear a little bit of this episode. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, make that magic happen right now. June 25th, 1964. Or, if you prefer, June 25th, 1876. The cast of characters in order of their appearance, a patrol of General Custer's cavalry, and a patrol of National Guardsmen on a maneuver. Past and present are about to collide head-on, as they are wont to do in a very special bivouac area known as the Twilight Zone. Right over there is the junction of the Bighorn and Little Bighorn Rivers. Not far from there is where Custer fought. Yeah, Custer? Custer who? General Custer. It's where the 7th Cavalry fought the Sioux Indians. When Major Reno, he crossed the river and he followed an Indian trail. But Custer went right up the middle. And he rode right into him and he was slaughtered. 1876. That was a year. Oh, now, come on now, Sarge. Somebody planned this thing around here for a gag. That canteen's not 80 years old. Well, shoot, it's practically new. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but we uh, heard some rifle fire down there and we went to check it out. Rifle fire? According to the lieutenant, you were down at the Little Bighorn, 40 miles away from where you were supposed to be. How'd you hear rifle fire? That's just it, sir. We never found out where it came from or who it came from. I think you guys must have had a bottle in that tank. That canteen is marked 7th Cavalry, and we found a teepee close to the river. A teepee? Are you bucking for a Section 8, Sergeant? That's the same teepee that Reno's scouts found the night before the battle. I know what's going on around here. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But I got an idea. Somehow, some way, we're following the same trail that Custer did. Let's say that we're going to follow this trail just like, uh, well, just like they did it, huh? And what I want to know is what's going to happen next. We're going to wind up at a massacre, that's what. You going to stop it? Yeah, stop it or join it. Fellas. Let's do it! We found a tank, sir. And this was on it. Crossing Rosebud Creek, trying to reach 7th Cavalry. Have to. I don't get it. That's why I don't get it. There's no sign of the men. No sign at all. Keep looking. Yes, sir. Put them on report, sir. Report. Captain. 
Connors, Michael McCluskey, Richard Langsford. Kind of a coincidence, sir? Quite a coincidence. Too bad they couldn't have brought the tank up. It would have helped. Beg pardon, sir? Nothing, Lieutenant. I didn't say anything. Sergeant William Connors, Trooper Michael McCluskey, and Trooper Richard Langsford, who on a hot afternoon in June made a charge over a hill and never returned. Look for this one under P for Phantom in a historical ledger located in a reading room known as the Twilight Zone. Wow. Rod Serling at his best. Oh, no kidding. Um, I have not watched any Twilight Zone in a long time. Really? Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah. So, uh, Serling, uh, he wrote this episode. It aired on December 6, 1963. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really significant that both the story of the Millers and Rod Serling's National Guardman are both magically transported back to Custard's Battle from the year 1964. So that was a detail mm-hmm. that both stories had in, in, co- in common. So I'm thinking, my working thesis at this point is that perhaps Schwartzberg, he wrote this article back in 1979. That's when the article was published. But right. maybe he was partly inspired by this episode of The Twilight Zone. But of course, if any of our listeners knows of, know of sources that I didn't find, I'd really love to hear from them because I still think this was a pretty exciting story nonetheless. Yeah, no kidding. That's, um, I mean, I've heard plenty of tales of kind of like time slips. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like there's one, and I don't remember if it was Liverpool or Manchester or something, where a couple of, <clears throat> couple of people like walking down the street basically, you know, slip back 50, 60 years mm-hmm. and then just as quickly are back in their present time. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is tough to say because it's it, it's it's in a slick magazine article, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, I feel like a lot of them sometimes are like, "Well, here's this tale," and you basically just rattle off this tale, mm-hmm. um, and and someday, you know, maybe you know, in this show's next uh, incarnation, um, we'll we'll talk about uh, this. Oh, there's our train. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about this uh, series of articles you gave me a couple weeks ago uh, and how, yeah, reading some of this stuff from a slicker magazine article, it's like, okay, you're saying that this was, you know, a thing mm-hmm. and then you just rattle off all this stuff. And I'm like, where's your sources? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's it's um, there's definitely kind of like a different vibe for. Sometimes I'm looking at some of these uh, newsletters, and they're obviously, you know, being written by a group of very dedicated individuals, maybe with a very limited financial Mm -hmm. budget. But they're really serious researchers, as opposed to some of this literature that I'll see where it's it's more of like a commercial type magazine, where I get the feeling they're more interested in like maintaining a subscriber base and putting out good content. Um, Right. So it seems like maybe in those instances, there's more of a financial incentive not to let the truth get in the way of good story, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. That being said, um, I think those. Uh, those more commercial tech magazines definitely bring something to the table in the sense that they have so many amazing and outrageous advertisements in them. Uh, yes. And I mean, I guess if we're just doing spoilers, I, th- I think our <laughs> last 
episode of our like year of looking at like newsletter articles and magazine articles we're just going to do an episode about all the crazy freaking ads i'm so excited that some of these have that's going to be like i'm i'm looking forward to that one definitely that's that's going to be the most fun to to put together and to research indeed um but hey what's what story do you have for our listeners tonight all right so my story i obviously i've been doing a lot of ufo stories i've been doing a lot of alien stories um granted we even had you know we had snippy Mm -hmm. uh we had our early mutilation although i will i will say it's i know we're recording a week before this goes out but um the latest episode of our strange skies uh that just dropped there is a much more in-depth snippy story really um yes yes highly recommend it uh rob's an amazing guy and a fantastic researcher Mm -hmm. um so yeah always going to recommend uh his podcast so if you need more snippy in your life (laughs) go grab his most recent episode um but i i'm like okay i need to do like a cryptid i need to do (laughs) bigfoot or something so my my story is entitled bigfoot hit my car (laughs) oh my gosh yeah and it's not like the article has to say it that way i had to say it that way Mm. um but on page seven of the inaugural issue of creature chronicles Mm. uh link in the show notes is a story about a bigfoot encounter that happened over april 12th and april 13th of 1997 sorry 1977 That'd be really weird if the very first issue in 1980 talks about a story from 1997. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Now, let me set the scene for you. David Soul's Don't Give Up On Us was at the top of the Billboard charts. Hotel California was in fourth and climbing while Abba's Dancing Queen was starting to slide. Rocky was at the top of the box office and Star Wars was still a couple months away. Tom and Connie Quarter. Quarter. Court? Like a court? Quarter. I know it sounds like I said quarter, but it's quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lived in rural Indiana, near Henshin Road and State Route 56, between Aurora and Rising Sun, Mm. which are two great names for towns. Mm. Oddly enough, if you look at this spot on a map, it's right near the Ohio River and the Kentucky border. Mm. Borders and bridges, my friends. Borders and bridges. Now, the quarters had left their mother's house and reached their trailer up the road along Henshin. Now, I've looked, and there's only 12 properties along that whole road today, so it can't have been all that far. And Tom had reached around to the back of their car to grab the diaper bag so they could change their six-week-old baby when he heard a sound like, Ugh! <laughs> it literally just capital U-G-H, so I'm, I'm doing my best impersonation. I might have to throw in some of the sounds from the Sierra Sounds episode. Looking up, according to this article, he saw a giant hairy animal about 18 inches away. Now, for reference, and I measured this, if I extend my arm out from my longest fingertip to my elbow is 18 inches. Okay. Okay. So there is a giant hairy animal that close to me, right? Or that close to Tom. Tom described the creature as being about 12 inches feet tall that's pretty big for a bigfoot that is exceptionally big for a bigfoot that's probably i think most of the ones i hear about like eight to nine maybe you get a 10 occasionally but i never hear about a 12 that's a big one and you figure i mean let's just call this guy six foot tall that is literally twice as tall as you and 18 inches away from you and just 
boom, mm. they're almost as if out of nowhere while you're trying to grab a diaper bag. <laughs> he may need a clean <laughs> pair of underwear after this. Yeah. Anyway, sure. uh, uh, describes the creatures being black and hairy with red eyes. Mm. Again, here's here's Mothman and how many other creatures we get described as having red eyes. The head was shaped like that of a human and its arms were hanging to the ground. Gosh, that's long arms. That's really long arms. I'm glad this dude is not on a basketball team. Um, So it's it's okay. Yeah, we're getting some Bigfoot vibes here, but there's also something almost not quite proportional going on here so sit tight we'll, we'll come back to this tom quickly jumped in his car we don't know the make of the model the creature tried to swing at him but missed and hit the car mm. the creature chased the car down the road swinging its arms you imagine these giant i mean you figure what shoulder to ground on a 12 foot creature i mean nine and a half ten feet probably i mean let's just call it nine let's call it 75 percent of anyway the next night the quarters stayed at their mothers until 11 45 p.m now a quick note here is i believe tom and connie are a married couple but the article keeps saying their mother mm. which i think is merely an error but make of that what you will um, Tom brought along his 16-shot 22 caliber rifle. They parked in front of the trailer and heard the same noise again. The creature was standing next to a tree on the other side of the road. Tom fired one shot at the creature and missed. He then unloaded the rest of the gun. Yes, 15 shots at it. Oh, gosh. It dove to the ground and just seemed to vanish. Oh, weird. Now, I will say this. I should have tried to look and see what phase the moon would have been on April, presumably 13th, 1977. I did not. Um, There's the possibility that there was a bright full moon overhead. Right. At which point you probably could have... made out some detail pretty easily it also could have been a new moon and everything would have been like dark dark shadows Mm -hmm. i just don't know um now while local law enforcement couldn't find any evidence of such a creature we and when the article says we we presume it is uh uh ron schaefer and e jones uh one is the publisher of the newsletter and the other is like the investigator uh, who's written the story up, found crushed vegetation at the site. Hmm. The side of Tom's car was smashed. Hmm. Both Tom and Connie were frightened and still shaking when we interviewed them the following week. Um, now, that's the extent of what's written up in Creature Chronicles. Now, what I'd like to um, make note of, because I can sit there and you know use Google Maps Street View to kind of like go down this road and and look at it now much of henshin road isn't terribly wooded close to the road's edge Um, but as you get closer to state route 56 um, as the story implies the quarters lived there uh, it is much more wooded and would seem to be an ideal place for a creature to hide out Mm -hmm. Um, apparently the newspaper account of this case can be found in several Fortean publications uh, including Sasquatch the Apes Among Us by John Green and Creatures of the Outer Edge by Lauren Coleman and uh, I almost said friend of the show we have no idea but we're fans of his Jerome Clark (laughs) indeed wow this is a Um, great story Um, yeah now i um 
I looked, I wanted to, because, <clears throat> you know, we only have so much budget for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have dropped the money to get a Kindle copy of Sasquatch the Apes Among Us. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to find a PDF copy online. Did not. Mm-hmm. Um, Creatures of the Outer Edge has been out of publication for a long time. So finding a copy of that is buko bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have the original newspaper account Okay. of this case um so we have what's in the newsletter to go on now i've heard plenty of tales of you know and and theories that bigfoot as a creature has the ability to basically disappear mm-hmm. um however you want to attribute that mm-hmm. um whether there's a ufo involved and it's beamed up whether it's uh transdimensional um whether it is just a power it has to cloak itself mm-hmm. um i my take on this mm-hmm. given everything presented to us kind of taking it all at face value and on and incorporating in stuff that we've learned and researched over the years. Mm-hmm. I am almost kind of putting this in more of a sort of Kelly Hopkinsville. Yeah, it definitely sounds like... Kind of vibe. Yeah, something beyond just a simple biological creature. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like a, it's, yeah. it's, it, it starts with this Bigfoot being kind of out of proportions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also suddenly being in such close proximity without stomping, without like tearing through the brush. It's just suddenly there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right. It's almost like if you had, how do I say this? It's almost like if you had an entity which could appear in the form of whatever a person's um, fear is. I mean, I guess yes. the best way I can yes. think of it no. is like at the end of Ghostbusters, you know, when the... <laughs> they, they kind of imagine the the form of their own destructor you know right like like if if a kid has a feel a fear of a monster and that monster is 12 feet tall and has huge arms and just is totally whacking out of proportion that entity would magically somehow know that that's what it's most afraid of and then take that shape most i guess mm-hmm. yeah no, I am I am right there with you and you are thinking along the exact same lines mm. that I am is that is that and I truly believe that the phenomena itself um there is a what's the way to say it it kind of tailors itself to the individual mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a sense um and there is a um there is a connection to the mind aspect of it mm-hmm. um so my working theory in this case is that you know this is how the phenomenon is presenting itself to this this family mm-hmm. and much like the uh hopkinsville goblin case you've got people retaliating at it mm-hmm. um and this one at least has sense enough to dive to the ground and be like okay i'm out of here it, and, it, and it just vanishes. And I think it's interesting, perhaps, um, the fact that there's no mention of any sort of odor. Like, I know a lot of times with these, right. maybe these cryptid cases, there's a powerful odor reported. I mean, I'm not sure in this case 
that that the absence of evidence is evidence of absence, but presumably if it is you know something other than a biological creature, a lack of odor might suggest yeah that it's more of a high strangeness type situation. Exactly. Yeah, I know a lot of people report um, you know kind of a, a sulfur smell or a very musky mm-hmm. smell, and and again that that's kind of why I wanted to see the original newspaper article. I mean, a lot of times I know these newsletters will copy them almost word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe something got mentioned in terms of scent and didn't get mentioned mm. uh, in this newsletter. We just don't know. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is something very high strangenessy about mm-hmm. it because it has, you know, a physical interaction mm. with the world around it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we are to believe that the, um, you know, the damage to Tom's car definitely came from this creature. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to explain away, you know, oh, whoops, I, you know, sideswiped a, a trash can or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm embarrassed about it, whatever. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and I mean, crushed vegetation. <clears throat> I mean, I get it. A lot of things could crush vegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the fact that there is on some level, a little bit of physical evidence um, or at least a physical implication that something happened and something was here. I don't think, you know, even in rural Indiana, that you're just going to, especially at almost midnight, you know, unload an entire magazine of shots, you know, at, and not only that, you're shooting across the street. <laughs> right. Like, you're not even really <laughs> shooting at your own property. Yeah. At this point, you're presumably, and hopefully it's not in somebody's driveway. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you know, you're, you're unloading your rifle into somebody else's property. Now, I don't see anything here about, you know, finding the casings mm. or, or I mean, casings probably be pretty easy to find because they'd be right next to him, but finding the bullets in the ground mm. across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is very much a case of this being... Um, a high strangeness case and not just a, you know, we're out hunting and this big creature came through mm-hmm. and tore apart a deer. No, this this yeah. creature chased my car, hit my car, and then chased it with its, you know, nine foot arms swinging around. Was there? Was it, I'm sorry, my visual of that is hilarious. <laughs> was there any discussion of, of what, what kind of car it was, by any chance? No, oh, no. none whatsoever. Okay. Uh, the make and model of the car is not mentioned okay. um, at all. Um, so, yeah, we don't have a ton to go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a cursory, just a very cursory uh, search, uh, you know, does indicate that Tom and Connie Quarter are real people. Oh, okay. This isn't... Um, a made-up uh, story. That's always one of the first things I check. Mm-hmm. Any sort of like data point that I can go, okay, you know, wh- wh- were there really people mm-hmm. on this, you know, by this name, you know, living in this area? Sure. Um, you know, it's sometimes hard to get address, you know, uh, or, or, or uh, property records, you know, going back that far without investing in it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you can get names and towns Mm -hmm. you can pretty much go okay yeah this is this is probably the people we're talking about um and then obviously google maps and stuff like that just to go okay does is the description of this area relatively consistent with you know what we see now i realize it's been you know 45 years since this happened but yeah 
it weird Bigfoots. I think I think like I feel comfortable like definitively saying this cannot have been a situation where somebody's misidentifying like a bear or something. Like I, right. I, think, I think that has to be excluded from all consideration. I think I think that is definitely safe to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a great story. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it was definitely an interesting one. Hmm. Um, and you know, knowing me, I'll probably be back to UFOs next month anyway. <laughs> nice. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that because there are plenty of weird ones. In fact, I think I already have it picked out. Really? Oh, okay. Yes. Nice. Yes, indeed. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I've done plenty of spoilers already <laughs> this month. I'm not going to give away any more. Um, but every month, and this is something I, I think we'll probably continue into our next iteration, Seb is going to dig into the old-timey newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. My boy, Seb, what do we have this month? Well, we have an article from the Placer Herald newspaper of December 3rd, 1898. Oh, that is way back. That is way back. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm... I'm 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 going to I'm really going to like hearing your take on this because I'm not sure if this is a if this is a news article that falls into the cryptid category or if it's describing a, a natural phenomenon that I'm just not familiar with. So okay. maybe you can help, okay. help me work through this. So um, here we go with the article. So while boating one night recently, a Norristown, Pennsylvania man saw a number of small, faint lights glowing just above the water along shore. The river was wide, and the shore was very lonely here. And for a stretch of about a 100 yards, the mysterious lights were planted thick. Having a gun with him, the boatman fired at one of them. Instantly, all but that one disappeared, and he heard the sound of many strong wings beating the air in flight. He rowed to the remaining light to find that it came from the breast of a green heron. Hmm. There, at the angle of the breastbone, was a luminous circle the size of a watch dial made of soft yellowish down, which glimmered like phosphorescence phosphorus excuse me glimmered like phosphorus for a few minutes after the bird's death then dulled and faded often since then the norristown man had seen these tiny lights along the riverbanks and on shooting at them had brought down invariably uh, had brought down invariably green herons with phosphorescent breasts he says that the nature he says that nature had given the birds these magic lamps so that they may attract fish by night for he had noted that their little lights shine out only when they stand in a certain attitude and this and that this attitude is only adopted by them when fishing at the water's edge so hmm. i i read this and i reread this and i thought okay green herons with like a glowing disc on their chest it's like <clears throat> that sounds pretty wacky um but geez i don't know i mean they're, they're talking about how maybe it's some sort of something that helps them attract fish i mean who knows i'm not sure if that what we're, what i'm here what i'm reading here you know yeah boy i i I mean, my gut goes they're Pokemon, but I don't think that's probably actually all that accurate or realistic. Um, but funny. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm my I've never heard of this before. So if this is some sort of evolutionary adaptation, I it's not one that I'm aware of. Now I'm not an expert on herons in any way, shape, or form. I'll add that as well. Um, but yeah, either that or they, you know, swallowed a bunch of Casio watches from the future, <laughs> uh, which I also don't think is the case. 
Yeah, I mean, when I think of bioluminescence, I think of maybe insects or, or, or fish at the most, but not, not birds, yeah. you know. But, but then again, I mean, there are some birds that have, you know, plumage and feathers that, you know, can be very iridescent if the light strikes it the right, right way, you know. So right. then I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is just a natural phenomenon or maybe it's like a rare type of heron that's now extinct after 100 years of who knows what sort of pollution we've unleashed I on mean, Earth. yeah. Between that and this guy, you know, periodically shooting them, apparently. Yeah, maybe he just he just he, he killed all of he them. Des- and that's he killed. We, that's he eventually don't like, I don't know whatever happened to these lights. They're not around anymore. <laughs> Bang. And it, I, the, the 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 part that got me that thought that maybe this is something in the cryptid realm is that the the idea that the glowing thing kind of dimmed after it died like that was the kind of thing that gave it kind of a sci-fi vibe to me it definitely yeah i mean i I think about like you know et glowing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um yeah this is a weird one i don't i don't quite think that i would lump it in with cryptid Mm -hmm. um but i i would actually probably want to sit down and like do some research Mm -hmm. on possible bioluminescent herons first um and if there really is none like if this really isn't a thing i might actually change my mind and yeah put this into Mm -hmm. uh a cryptid or at least cryptid adjacent category yeah so kind of straddles the fence so yeah if any of our listeners also know anything about this please feel free to hit us up because i'd love to learn more yeah that is that is an interesting one neat well folks that is it for this month i want to appreciate you taking the time to join us on this adventure and the weirdness that surrounds us every day uh you can follow us on twitter because i'm going to keep calling it twitter <laughs> at all night geeks you can follow me at busbuda 71 and you can follow seb at clan and mcmuffin that's right subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts apple stitcher spotify something else podbean i don't know and be sure to rate and review us as well and just as importantly please share us with your friends word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around and we'd appreciate it if you told at least one friend about the broadcast we want to also thank the ghoulies for letting us use hot rods from outer space from the album midnight in america as our intro and outro music go give them a follow over on social media and hit up the ghouliesdenver.bandcamp.com to buy their music uh we've got merch obviously that's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash n-o-t-l-g that's right shirts buttons probably even a tank top in this weather uh, uh stickers even go check that out and thanks as always to kate the steam-powered mouse for doing the show's artwork uh if you want to throw a few bones our way to help keep the hosting going uh you can do that over at patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g that is it for us this month i'm sure everybody's getting back to school at this point we will catch you next month and in the meantime go get out and find something weird stay good weird night. stay weird folks good night Now I'm on the right input. Excellent. Very good. That helps. That definitely helps. helps.